Ladies and gentlemen, Scorch the Fears, episode 14 with the great Airbnb king, Noah Hoffman. How you feeling, bro? I'm feeling pretty good. Yeah, man. I'm so glad you're on here. Bro, your event last weekend was so sick. It was such a vibe. If you guys don't know, Noah Munif um, and Leo Valentino did an event in San Francisco, which also is lit because there's no, like, whenever is there a real estate event in San Francisco? I feel like there's never an event in San Francisco, to be honest. Never. It's the first one I've been to. Yeah, which was sick. I freaking loved it. So anyways, man, so I want to start the, I don't know how much I talked to you about this podcast, that this podcast, it's not really about real estate. Like it is, but it's more of a mindset podcast. It's more about dealing with fears, dealing with like things that are mindset barriers and things like that. Um, I'm, I'm planning on eventually not just having entrepreneurs that are in real estate. It's just because all my friends are in real estate. I'm eventually planning on doing more than just that. I'm going to invite like people from different industries but um but obviously you're here now so we're going to start with so like how'd you get into entrepreneurship well well just if you don't mind first i just want to say thank you for having me on yeah. and um and what's what you said at the event the other day was awesome too and i really i really liked it i enjoyed it you specifically talked about um about you know leading with value leading with value and it's like and it and it and it's so important like people like it's like the key it's like the key to get through doors and and um and it's so interesting how some people don't kind of quite understand it is they're more transactional and some people who are really transactional are successful um but it just in a different way it's it's just like um it's like doing the waltz you know there's different types of dances and like you know, different dances work for different people, but um, leading with value was was is uh, is been my strategy. So thank you for bringing that up. It's how it's how we it's honestly how you get everything you want. That's what my speech was. The guys, I kind of did it. They they put me up there um, at his event, even though I wasn't planning on it. So I was like, all right, I'll just come up with what I think is like the most important thing in real estate, which is and just life in general is like starting with giving some value to somebody and not expecting anything in return. I think that's the key that most people miss is that people like do like a, like a, there's really three steps, but the fourth step that people do is they try to, they expect that, Oh, I did something for them. They now owe me something, which is like the exact wrong attitude. Like you were just saying, that's thinking transactionally. Um, so thank you for your, yeah. thank you, man. It was a sick yeah. event. I had a really good time. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, I gotta I gotta send everybody out my slideshow. So um <laughs> soon like that, like I gotta do that today. I promised it, so I'm, I'm I gotta I gotta shoot that out. You got it, bro. So how'd you get into entrepreneurship? Um, so the first thing that I can remember was um I think I might have been, I don't know, 13 or 14 years old, and I sold newspaper subscriptions on a commission basis. Interesting. Right, so I was going door to door, door knocking, asking people if they want to um, subscribe to the Oakland Tribune. Interesting. And, and like kids from my neighborhood would go, like go pile up in some van, 
and some strange man would drive us far and give us like some free sample newspapers and some papers to have people fill them out. And the crazy thing, like they would take, he would take us to McDonald's. And I think I never got paid. I think may- maybe I got paid. You know, but like, I mean, you didn't sell a single newspaper. No, I no, I did. But like the guy, the guy was like, "Oh, we'll pay you. Like we pay you in two weeks." And then like sometimes, maybe we didn't get they paid, but it was uh, it was still fun. It was still fun, and that was <laughs> the first thing I remember. But I've always been an entrepreneur, and um, and I love business in general. I love um, freedom. And I, oh, I chase freedom and, and I love business and it's so much deeper than, um, than real estate also. Um, yeah. So, I so like. I, I can tell so many things I've done, um, as an entrepreneur, um, quickly go through I them. Have, I'm curious. So you've done, you started with newspaper routing, like what I can, I love hearing the stories of the different businesses people started until they got to, you know, what you do, which is obviously, the Airbnbs are your like main, main thing, but I'm kind of curious. Tell me a little bit about the journey of different businesses you did. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, um, I had um, one of my biggest, like pivotal, one of my business, biggest businesses and parts of my life was um, hauling a few trucks and I would haul garbage for people. I would haul furniture. I did a little moving and it was like, um, it was it was just so much freedom for me because I had a truck. I had a car that broke down and then a friend said here, like a friend, you need a vehicle and a friend has a truck for sale. Do you want it? I said, you know, it's 500 bucks. The price is right. I'll take it. And so I go to buy this truck and I show up and it's a stick shift. I'm like, oh, darn, I, I don't know how to drive a stick shift, but um. I guess I'm going to learn today. And, um, and I got that, I got that truck home. I got that truck home. Eventually I learned how to drive a stick shift. Um, and another friend made a flyer for me on his computer with his printer. And it said like, um, junk hauling call, you know, this phone number, you know, probably cell phones were probably fairly new at the time. You know what? I think we had pagers actually. We, what is we this had the pagers 90s? Way back yeah, it was the nineties. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, it must have been. Um, yeah, it must have been. Um, late, late nineties, right? Okay. Early two thousands, even early two thousands. Um, and um, you know, maybe maybe I had a cell phone. I don't know, but I remember it was pre iPhone for sure because I okay. remember when the iPhone came out. But um, and so people, I put flyers up on these bulletin boards, and people just started calling me like crazy. Hey, can you? It was like. There was like um, a housing, there was like a real estate boom in the 90s in the mm-hmm. East Bay. People were like, and I heard about it, but it, but it, it trickled down to me because people were buying new furniture, having me take their old furniture away. Interesting. Like people were just buying new, new furniture, just buying so much new stuff for their house and like out with the old, in with the new, out with the old. And, uh, and a lot of times I would take this furniture and go resell it. Like there was like a, a consignment furniture consignment shop. I would bring it down there. A guy named Jules, um, he would let me drop it off. He would sell it. I make half that money. Somebody paid me to take it away. And then the new buyer might pay me to take it to their house. So, right. um, so that was super fun. And I did that. Um, I actually, crazy thing is I got a job in a, for a real estate broker um, way back then. And he paid me drum roll. 
$7.50 an hour, right, to be an assistant. <laughs> was that legal back then? I guess maybe yeah, seven fifty back then was a lot more than now. That was minimum. Right? That was probably minimum wage. Right. It might have been just over minimum wage. Gotcha. And it was my mom's friend's husband. And he was going to like, he was going to really take me under his arm. He was really successful, a mortgage broker and a real estate broker, mm -hmm. owned his own small shop in North Berkeley. And, um, but it felt like it was taking forever. It's going to take me a year to become an agent. He had agent, he was having me take his dry cleaning to the, to the shop and run errands for him and do a couple comps. But, um, I was going to community college at Laney at the time. And, um, it felt like forever. Um, and then my junk hauling business took off and I was making a nice. hundred dollars an hour doing that. So nice. I had to, um, I had to quit. I ended up quitting that job um, for the freedom. And, um, you know, years later, I'm back in real estate. But um, so the junk hauling eventually, you know, eventually I went to Japan for a few years. Mm -hmm. I went, I did a study abroad in Japan just because I was disillusioned and like tired of my old life, like my old friends. I just wanted to start fresh, just get out of here. I had a girlfriend, went to Japan for a study abroad for a year. And then I came back, I finished school, went back for two years and taught English. And um, so that was like a break in my life uh, with no real purpose. Like I went mm. out there to study, like study. Wait Japanese. a minute, what happened to your junk calling business? Like why I, did you I let, okay, so I let, so I actually went to Europe for six months first. That was another entrepreneurial thing I did is because I had like some business on my, you know, my number, my pager, whatever. I forgot if it was a pager or a phone, but I let a friend of mine basically use my truck and my my phone number, um, basically rent it from me. I let him pay me, you know, a few hundred bucks a week or whatever it was. He let him make the majority of the money, and I got paid while I'm out of town. And I and I was so happy with that. I'm making money in my sleep, even though it's not a lot. It was something. I don't remember exactly how much it was, um, but I was pretty happy with that. Um, just to be making money. Um, off something I created, even though I'm not there. I was gone for six months the first time I left. And then the, the second time I left, I um I didn't make money. I didn't really structure it in a way where I made money when I was gone. I kind of just abandoned ship. And I think I might have gave it to a friend or whatever. I had a few other friends doing the business now. A few other friends like copied me or, you know, emulated me and started their own kind of um, hauling businesses. But the great thing was when I came back, from Japan, I didn't have a job. I didn't know what to do. Uh, I had I had a college degree from Cal State, but I didn't know. I had no clue what to do. I had, yeah. I had not not an idea in the world. And a friend of mine who kept junk hauling business going. It wasn't part of my business. It was his own. But he said, "Hey, you can come. You can come work with me. We can we can we can split money, whatever. Like because he would get calls every day. And so I just you know it was fun. We just ride in the truck, go make a few hundred bucks or whatever." And, um, and then he got, uh, um, and one day we were together and we got a call. Someone said, Hey, do you want to deliver mattresses for us? And there was a guy who had a mattress business. He says, look, we're going to have mattresses, um, delivered to you. You store them in your garage and I sell them. I'll send you the address and the customer and you, you deliver the mattress and you're going to get like a hundred bucks or a hundred something bucks per delivery in the Bay area. And then like a few months later, we we like learned his business model and we started our own op op uh, business 
mattress business and we end up we were selling um a couple thousand bucks in mattresses a day and we did that all for right. a couple of years yeah that was that was one this of is my all best airbnb business. related too like i mean airbnb wasn't a thing yet but that those all like being able to like get mattresses places being able to junk haul stuff this seems like all like logistic stuff that must have came in so much helpful for the airbnbs a hundred percent you're right because i went to those same places and you got some of those same mattresses like the moving furniture all of that yeah yeah so okay you were hauling mattresses um was it like was it just you kept hauling mattresses and you had a business there and then was it more businesses like this junk hauling mattresses like things that led up to the airbnb no at one point so me and my mattress partner we 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 parted ways he wanted to go and start a boxing gym and and i wanted to um i wanted to just focus on business i wanted to grow the mattress business but it, it didn't work out so i just went my own way and i got a job and um it was the last one that i've that i've gotten and there's a, probably a sign you've seen all around the city which is the, the academy of art university yeah. in san francisco yeah. So I worked for them. Um, thank God I can say that was that was my last job over 10 years ago. Uh, well, um, and it was admission international admissions, um, like an admissions guy, right? It was a sales job, right? We're supposed to sell students on this private education. And um, and they they wanted me because I spoke Japanese, right? And um I love it. But it didn't really work out. Um, it wasn't a good fit for me. And I well, you're was an entrepreneur, late. bro. You're not meant to be in a job. And, you know, and the That's thing was like a good fit for you. The crazy thing was like this the pay at the time was really good. And like and it went really high. Like if you stayed in that job, it went far over a hundred thousand a year. And that made me so depressed. I felt like I was a like a bird in a cage, and I was like like, you know, a hundred thousand a year. I wasn't making that, but it was like, if I stayed, I would. And I was like, I can't in my right mind, like I, I can't reasonably quit that job because it's, it's seems really good. So I have to stay and I'm trapped. Golden and handcuffs. So, That's what it's called. Yeah. So thank God, thank God they let me go. Oh, they <laughs> and, fired um, you? Or like you got Yeah, they said it wasn't a good fit. Like they just, I wasn't, it wasn't a good fit. And that, that and that was so, so great. So quickly, before we move on from that, I want to ask questions about that. Because this is something that I dealt with that I haven't talked about on my podcast yet. A little bit. It was a little bit different. My story is that why I had come back, I did the Peace Corps. And then I was lost, similar to your story. I came back. I was, the first job I was offered was an insurance salesman. And I remember just thinking like, how my life would go if I took that job. And I'm like, it, it, it can't end like this. Like, this is not what it's supposed to be. And I know that you have that same feeling of being like, this isn't, this doesn't feel right. Even though like I'm making a ton of money, it's not worth it because it's not who I am, who it, it, we it was, are. It, I literally, I, I really, literally like felt like the cloud of death over me. Like, I swear, I was like, I'm serious. I was like, oh, my God, like, I'm going to die. Like, I'm, like right. I'm on a path to die because I could never leave here. I'm on a train to the end here. Like, I'm stuck. And what made it worse was the hours, 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. And I had a newborn Oof. baby. And that meant I had to leave. Was that your first child? My first child. And I had to leave 
before he woke up in the morning. Or actually, um, I'm trying to think. I think my my daughter was born when I um, right at that time too. Yeah, hold on. Um, forgetting which child was born first. What no, are we forgetting right now? I had two kids. Uh, so my second kid was born. I'm trying to think if it was right before, or right after that. But anywho, I think both kids were there. And but the but the bad thing is I had to leave in the morning right before they woke up and I came back and they were already asleep. So I never saw them awake. Mm, that's right? hard. 10 a.m. I had to leave at 8 a.m. or 8:39, whatever. And I came back and they were already in bed asleep. So they were I never got to hang out with them except mm -hmm. for like on uh on my day off or my days off. Mm -hmm. So that was bad. Yeah, that was killing you. So, okay. So you kind of got out, you got lucky and out of it because you got let go because you, you probably got let go because you weren't happy. I bet that was translating into your job of being like, I don't want to be here. But, but, but like, but like they would have never fired Monif, right? Like, cause it was a, a really salesy job. Okay. Oh my God. And I'm, and, and that's part of my story today. And that's part of my, you know, my hit, my hidden success was is squatting up because I, I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not as salesy as some of my other counterparts, right? I'm not as good with, with closing, right. which I, you know, fast forward to now and it's like, and that's okay. I learned that's okay. So back right. then that wasn't okay at that job, you know? Right. Which is okay. I mean, you're, you're in a way better place now. So before we jump, let's keep going. So you get fired from that job, then you, um, then what Airbnbs? Um, it actually, yes. Um, getting close. Um, so, um, well, my daughter was born in 2010 and I started managing my first Airbnb in 2012. So not gotcha. quite yet, but not too long after that. Um, I, um, so after that, I started on another entrepreneurial endeavor, which I look back as um, it's, I had my freedom, but it was some damn hard work. Yeah. And, um, and it was, was that Airbnb yeah. management. No, it was carpet cleaning. Mm. Right. Do you ever see vans driving around the city? Yeah, that yeah, say, yeah, like, yeah. Carpet cleaning. Yeah. It's like, you know, carpet cleaning, you can make a um, hundred dollars an hour easy. If it's mm -hmm. your own small business, or you, or you can make multiple hundreds if, if you're good. Right. If you have some sales skills, but, um, um, so I had my own air, uh, carpet cleaning business. Me and one of my partners did it together six months and he bailed. He was like, this is not for me. We had mm -hmm. to like, we were like drive in like early morning to late at night, trying to make it work, trying to be together, even mm -hmm. though really it's not, it's not for two business owners to split. Maybe it's one guy and his helper, but two business owners can't split enough. Money. It wasn't enough money. And we weren't good enough at the sales part again. So, um, but we, I did that. I did that. I tried to like bang my head against that wall for years. It felt like trying to make it work. Like I, like I was making ends meet barely like, um, and I did that off and on for a while. And that's, that helped me get an Airbnb. Eventually I start managing one Airbnb for my first real estate mentor. How'd you hear about it? Cause that was like when it came out, right? That wasn't like, nobody knew what Airbnb was in 2010. It came out in like what, 2008? It came out in 2008 and I heard about it in 2010. And um, 
How? It was, Do you remember how? Yes. It was so my sister's wedding. I had an uncle who flew out um and from from um Philadelphia um and um to my sister's wedding and he says my daughter he said my daughter Spencer um bought me an Airbnb in San Francisco and I was like what's that? He's like oh it's you can rent someone else's home. And I was like huh that sounds interesting and I started reading about it. I just looked it up online. I don't know what it what why like I I I, I dove in. I don't know I don't know why I was so interested, but maybe the way he uh, presented it, right? It's funny because his name is Lynn, which could almost be a woman's name, and his daughter's name is Spencer, which can almost be a man's name. But so Uncle Lynn and his daughter Spencer, and um and they got the first Airbnb I heard about, and it was just like perfect timing. My buddy told me. I have this empty studio. It was like they happened. It was like a week later. It was like it was still fresh in my mind. I was like, "Hey, my um, let's there's a thing called Airbnb. We can put furniture in it, and people will rent it for short periods of time." And he said, "Let's try it." We furnished it. The owner furnished it with me. He helped me furnish it, and guests started coming, and they just never stopped coming. It was like Seven Eleven. It's like if you open a Seven Eleven in front of your house, like people will just start coming and coming and coming. Right. So still today, like it's the customers are the easy part. You know, the hard part is like making sure the house is ready for, them, you know, mm. explain so, like, what do you mean well, by that? Well, Airbnb is a marketing machine. It's like, imagine if you could take that room you're in now and just stick it into a Hilton hotel, boom, and monetize it. Right. Right. It's like, the Airbnb brand is available for everybody to to share. It's a it's it's a it's the sh- it's the sharing economy, and you can share your house under their umbrella, and people will just book it. Like you could literally turn around, take some pictures of that room, put it online right now, and people will come book it tonight and be in in that room with you, and share your room. That's how they started, you know, um, in San Francisco with sharing a, an apartment wasn't even private apartment. It was a shared unit. You could have like, and it works so well that you can have someone literally in that room with you and they do shared rooms. A lot of cities, it's like 50% are doing bedrooms. Right. 50% are doing whole places. And then you can do like whole places, bedrooms or shared bedroom, which means like you guys share a bedroom. So what's the hardest part about, and like, managing airbnbs or setting up an airbnb like what what do you think like for somebody who's trying to get into that what what do they got to watch out for i mean so it's like um it's kind of like if someone said what's the hard part about walking to the store right like from your apartment and it's like you just have to keep your you just have to have your awareness on right you just have to watch where you're going when you step down the road um because it's it's all of it's easy right it's like one step after the next right there's no real heart there's a step here and a step there watch mind the gap but um <clears throat> so, so for me the hardest part in scaling an airbnb business is the setup right i can i can manage more and more units right right now i'm managing about 50 units with about um with about three VAs, right? Three VAs, I'm managing about 50 units. Uh, I mean, I have another full-time bookkeeper and I have a, a full-time maintenance coordinator to like to offset that maintenance part because that's a hard part. Um, 
but the bottleneck is set up, right? So a lot of times real estate investors, they, they get a house that needs, needs repairs, right? That's the biggest bottleneck is who's going to manage those repairs. So when I'm working with an experienced like flipper or investor, they know what to do. They know how to get their house up, up in a good shape, the way they like it. And then the next step is the setting up the furniture, right? And so that's the next bottleneck. Like it's not hard, but it's not, you, you can't really do it remotely, you know? It's um, simple, but not easy. It's simple, but not easy. I mean, it's like, it takes, it can take a week or two with somebody like working every day on the ground, right? So it's not like it's impossible. You know, it's not as hard as like getting uh, your, um, your doctorate degree or something, but it takes a couple of weeks, right? Um, and, um, and it's hard for me to do that at more than a couple places a month, right? So then I had to start having people help me like Zach. He's been, he set up 10 or 12 units without me in the last eight months. Um, and then, and most recently with Munif, excuse me, um, we used, um, we're utilizing Munif's um, executive assistant, Melissa, and her sister, Adri. Adriana has been amazing. And we're utilizing Matterport 3D walkthroughs. If you're familiar with Matt, if you go look at a house on realtor.com or Zillow, a lot of times they'll have the Matterport. I know a Matterport. I use them. I use them for showings for wholesale deals sometimes. Right. Something I really want to talk about. Sorry to interrupt, but I'm going to interrupt you for a second in the sense of I want you to talk a little bit about partnering with people because you partnered with Munif. And I've, I kind of want to hear from you, like how that's changed your business, having a partner in it versus mm-hmm. before when you were doing it on your own. Right. So honestly, so I partnered with Zach Wolf first, right? Okay. I partnered with Zach Wolf based on his skill set, which was managing properties, working right. with VAs, working with property owners, working with Airbnb guests. So me and Zach Wolf have a management business where we manage Airbnbs. Me and Munif basically basically have like an acquisition model. Like we're buying, we're investing, we're buying properties. Right. And we're borrowing private money to do it. So right. that is like completely different. And it's like, those are separate businesses, but they interact, right? So me and Munif will buy properties and then me and Zach will manage them, you know? Right. Um, and so, and it's, it's, it's different, but it's amazing. It's like, um, when I first met Munif, it was like a, like a, a spark and it's just like a wildfire went off, right? Like it was like, um, it was like, I was, it was like, um, you know, um, you know, he was a spark and I was a flame and we were like at like in a, in a dry, in a field of dry grass, or maybe I was the grass. I don't know. But, um, what does that he, look like? I, like, what does the actual conversation like that look like? Cause I, I have noticed and been jealous of people with partners a little bit in the sense that I see it sometimes 10 X businesses, mm-hmm. but I don't, I don't know what I would look for or how it would feel like. Well, I mean, so I got to say, and, and and you should feel comfort in that I say, like, you'll know, you'll know it when you find it, right? And, so it's so much like dating. It sounds like I just asked you, like, how do you know when you find someone you love, which is hilarious. Right. It sounds like the yeah. exact same answer. Dude, and, and it's so funny because 
a lot of times we're kind of like we, we were like we've talked to described each other as like long lost twins in a lot of ways like 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 we both tend to run late we both tend to do certain things similarly right so I, and but we also have complementary skills also right um so we're not the same at everything um but we're both the same in a lot of aspects but um so he, and he and one thing that i love about his story is um he says um he wanted to like meet up with me or work with me or talk to me before we really met but he said he didn't feel like he had any value to bring so we didn't he didn't approach he didn't approach me until he until i approached him hmm. right so it's like we met at the triple digit flip event which was just a few months ago right yeah we were hanging there for a little bit too right is that when he first met you also that's the first time I ever met Munif. That's the first time a lot of people met Munif. So that was pre his closers Olympics. By the way, guys, Munif Saza, dope dude. You guys should look him up. You he probably has he definitely has some Instagram stuff going on. Dope guy. He's now Noah Hoffman's partner, um, and they just did a real estate event together in San Francisco. Like I was saying, but yeah, he's a cool guy. He comes up in a lot of podcasts and stuff like that. But anyways, you met him there, and then you how you knew is just you kind of knew because you said you were like long lost twin brothers twins yeah we were twins except he was it was like it was like i'm arnold schwarzenegger and he's danny devito right you know <laughs> you've seen the movie twins? <laughs> that's hilarious <laughs> no i'm just kidding um, that's funny though yeah um but um but no so we met at triple digit flip and like and we all we walked to starbucks it was a group of us um and then and, and then i bought him i treated everybody to like lattes at starbucks and um and we we hung out for the day and then you know i didn't see him or talk to him until he won the closers olympics and everybody was giving him love online right, right, right. And I said, let me let me chime in here too and like make it like, congratulate him and yeah congratulate him and, and make a joke or whatever i was like hey hey Manif, when are we buying an airbnb together and um and he was like he was like dude i've been um waiting to buy an airbnb i'm so ready like let's do it like now and i was like cool man let me know and he's like i got i got a deal and i got some private money lined up let's make it work and i was like really do you really he was like yes let's get on the call and we got on those calls and then you know he had a, a deal and i said that's too expensive a thirty-five thousand dollar assignment fee a property with no equity it's a bit it's still a bit high i thought so he was able to get that down to twenty one thousand, um and um we talked to the lender that was that was um eat light work for him no problem and um you know we borrowed the money we bought the first house and um and then that was like the start and i thought it was going to be a one-time thing like a one-off situation but he kept bringing him like, huh but he kept bringing him well, yeah. So we 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 said let's I said why stop at one? Let's get some more. I was like, okay, cool. And then, and then I said, um, and so we were like, okay, well, let's let's get some more deals, and let's raise some more money. And then somebody, we were in a post in Facebook, and somebody said somebody on my post said, I'd like to be, you know, I might be a lender. Somebody in the group said that. And Malif's like, let's get on a call with her. And Malif, when we got her on the phone, and Malif like, 
like, you know, says the magic words, open sesame. And she's like, where do I sign? Right. And, and, and he's like, we're actually not JVing with anybody right now. We're just borrowing money. You know, and he, the way he said it and the way he structured it was amazing. And I was like, this dude's good because then, you know, another person, we talked to two, three, four, five more of, of my contacts, right? It's not, it's not just him bringing his, the one money. He's talking to my friends. Convincing or, people, money. Or, 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 or my connections social from social media that I've never met, actually never actually talked to in person. And he's closing them on the first call. Gotcha. Like, and, it's, and it's been like five, six, six, seven people now. It's so not he, bring, he helps close people in general. So like, just so I think, I mean, I, I think I get the partnership, but just getting it more. Mm-hmm. So you kind of have some connections that he closes and convinces to lend to you guys. He's also finding the properties and bringing the deals and then you manage them. And then um, do you both, I'm just curious, like, do you, do you share, so you share the private money lenders, like just for only your guys stuff, or do you guys ever do anything differently or how does that work? Yes. Yeah. We, I mean, so since we've been working together, we've bought all of our deals together. Um, he, I mean, he might buy a deal without, I might buy a deal without him. No problem. He's still doing some, he's still doing some wholesaling. He has his wholesale business. He has his team and his partners that's separate from me. And I've met, I've met the guys. They're, um, they're amazing. His team. Um, and, um, and I, and so I have my, my management business, which, so I have like my team, which is separate. Um, but, um, and you know, we have our thing together and then now we got this new thing with Leo, right. Um, yeah. And so, but we're, yeah, so we did the event and we're going to be doing more stuff together, me, him and Leo. And it's kind of like, cause we all bring something a little bit different. Um, and it's kind of, it's just fun and exciting. And I'm just, I'm just having fun. You know, I love it. That's awesome, man. I mean, it's cool to hear about it. I love just seeing everybody like making crazy stuff happen. I, I can't even imagine what it's like being paced and just watching all these crazy partnerships and like all this like love and money and crazy things they're doing. And now you guys are doing your own events. Like I, I'm doing my podcast and just seeing like things flowing from that entire sub two community. It's awesome to see. I, I really like it. So, okay. The biggest bottleneck right now is setting up the Airbnbs, repairs and stuff like that. That's like the biggest bottleneck you said. What do you, what, how do you think, how do we overcome it? Well, so that's the thing that's, that, that's the unsexy thing that nobody wants to do, right? Everybody, right. like you look at our, our group, like the sub two group or whatever real estate community, and everybody wants to own stuff. Nobody wants to like, do the uh, the grunt work though you know um it's um so you know but i have found a few people who are willing to help right and it's like they'll get paid and they'll learn and they'll be part of our team and they don't have to do it forever so we have and so manif is um he really helped a lot with this too because i i like so i kind of worked with zach i've worked with a couple other guys in other states like uh, Zach Shelley in, in Texas and Andre Powell in, in Atlanta. And, and I've kind of like um, 
you know, hired them and partnered with them locally to help me with a couple properties. But um, but Zach kind of went full time because there was we had so much work in Phoenix. He kind of was doing everything in Phoenix. And then now he's helping me in other places. Like so he's right now in Hawaii setting up a unit for Zasha Smith. Who nice. you probably know. Right. So um so, but, but I've, I've only got one Zach. So I, and Zach can only work on a couple, you know, set up a couple units a month. And we literally, I mean, the demand is just incredible. People, I mean, there are investors who have dozens or hundreds of doors. It's like that could benefit with doing short, short-term rental. So it's like, it'll take us forever to like set all those up. So, you know, um, you know, so Another guy from Baltimore, Mike Feruzzi. When you he say set up, I'm just curious. Are we talking about repairs and the furnishing or just the so, furnishing? So, so you have you have your um your kind of your repair. When you first buy a house, it always needs some kind of repairs unless you bought it, you know, completely flipped, which is rare. Um, so someone has to manage the repairs. And usually that's a different person than manages the setup process. Now, we're able to... Um, set up a property 95% remotely now, right? So we use the Matterport to measure walls, measure floors. We order everything on Amazon, everything on Amazon. And we're able to send the stuff to a storage facility that will accept deliveries for us. That was a major breakthrough. And, um, you know, um, Somebody doesn't well, have to be there to get someone, them. Yeah, because usually it takes usually it takes three weeks to get all the packages in to set up a whole house because mm-hmm. it's the bigger beds that take the longest, like the beds and the dining sets and the sofas. And so, but being and since we do all this stuff in different cities and different states, it's really hard to have someone there to accept these deliveries. So we it's been amazing to find these places that will accept them, and we've done that now at for three units and we're working on our number four right now with this remote ordering and setup. And then we, you know, we hire someone with a truck to bring it all, assemble the furniture, put it where it goes based on the photos. And then we have a guy to go make sure it's all set up correctly. Um, you know, and may, maybe that could even take a few days up to a week um, just to manage that. I mean, it could be done faster if someone like manages tightly with a, a, a list, a checklist on the phone with photos. It could be done 100% remote. For sure it could be. But you have to trust somebody who walks through and like notices other problems that, that are not on the checklist. They have to use their eyes and their senses and look around like what doesn't seem right. And so it's hard. You. Yeah. But, um, I got but you for sure. Yeah. Like I'm going to, so something that I'm curious about as just you're talking, cause like you're obviously incredibly successful now you're freaking going, you've got an insanely good, cool team. This was like, this was set up between my VA and your VA. Right. So I'm curious when you were starting or even now, what, what were like the fears that were holding you back or, or the mindset issues? Right. So, um, 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 so fe- fears is a, a huge part of what I talk about all the time because, because <clears throat> I still have fears all the right. time. Right. And it's we like, it's a, it's a recurring theme. It's like, 
you know, and the theme for an entrepreneur is having the fears and walking and pushing through it, right? Push mm-hmm. through the next level of fear. Um, because, you know, you, you eventually get used to whatever it was that you were fearful last time. So I used to get, I used to have fear with every new Airbnb in a new city, right? right. It used to be every new Airbnb. Like, is it going to perform well? Are we going to have problems? Like, what right. could the problems be? Could it might, you know, and, and I, you know, and I'm explaining to people all the time that, you know what, we do have problems and that's called business, right? In right. business, you have problems and that's why you have a job so true. to solve, solve those problems. Like any easy business, um, like, like your, 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 the value is going to come down if you're not solving problems. If it's easy, everyone right? would do so, it. Right. And so it's like, it's, it's crazy that these problems, they seem... They seem like some kind of anomaly. They seem like they're not supposed to be there. And I have to explain to people like that, like, you know, you should expect a problem, right? Like expects, expect the unexpected. Right. Um, so, yeah. So I'm, I'm always. And how should you react? How do people react? Because I know a lot of people like freeze when they have a problem that they don't know how to deal with. What advice do you have when something unexpected happens how do you how do you deal with it well i think in certain times it's very impressive to move quickly right move quickly and decisively like if you know what to do do it fast but a lot of times if you're not sure like sometimes if something happens it is best to do nothing it is best to Mm. like wait one day to make to think about it like, like if there's a negotiation, for example, just like, you know, if like if there's counter offers like for a, a seller or something, sometimes you don't want to rush. Right. Sometimes you want to wait um, and let things simmer. And so and why? Why do you think that? Well, because, you know, more, you know, you can let the other side move quick and let them make a decision. Like let them um, if you like you're like like we, we negotiate on Airbnb rates, right? Guests make us offers. Somebody made us an offer the other day. They offered us, um, I think it was, um, somebody might've said 4,000 or 4,200 a month for a house in Bakersfield. I said, not a chance. I said, not a chance. I almost got a little bit irritated with my VA. Like, why would you even entertain that? Like you're supposed to offer, like I tell my VAs, you can, if anyone asks for a discount, give them 5% discount. You don't have to ask me. Just give it to them, right? I said, "What's the normal rate here? Seventy five hundred a month. Why would you even like ask me if that's okay? Of course, it's not okay. Like, not even close, right? And then, but like, but we can do. We can we can consider like sixty one fifty a month, right? Six thousand one hundred fifty. And then he came back with like, I think fifty three hundred. And so it's like, and I said, look. And he was like, but on the Airbnb, it's only 5,300. I said, well, the prices actually fluctuate. You want it for the next six months. And in the summer, the prices might go up to 8,000. So, you know, and so I didn't, I'm not rushing. I'm going to let him think about it and he can make the next move. Like, it's just like negotiating. You don't always rush. If what you have I, a mm-hmm. Sorry, you go. You can no, go so, so like um, recently, um zach wolf or you know he got a little bit concerned because we got a message on airbnb like somebody said hey um i know where this property is and you're not supposed to do this here 
in this area. You're not supposed to do Airbnb here. And Zach's like, oh, let's let's like shut it down. Like, and I'm like, right. no, Zach, like, no, you don't just shut it down <laughs> because somebody said they don't think you're supposed to do this. Like, no, it's like Munif, and, and I talked to Munif, and Munif's like, of course not. Like, no, we we wait, we wait for a court order. Like, that's when we make a decision, like a court order, then then we'll talk, right? Like, we don't we don't operate, we don't make moves based on rumors and hearsay and what people thought. What I'm taking from this, which I think is so goddamn true, especially like when I've when I've screwed up a deal has always been because I didn't take a day to like, okay, let's take a day. Let's think about the right next step. Let's not like rush out of emotion because you because as an entrepreneur, you feel pressure, right? That's a perfect example. Like somebody's like, hey, you shouldn't be doing this here. I'm going to tell the cops or whatever they said. Like, I'm going to tell a judge or some shiznaz, right? And I've dealt with that too. I remember when I started, I dealt with people, like even recently, there was an agent who was like, yo, wholesaling is illegal. Um, we're going to, we're going to, uh, what you did was legal. You marketed an on-market property. And so unless you like stop marketing it, we're going to um, cancel this deal. We're going to sue you, blah, 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 blah. And I just, at this time, I was just, this is like a problem I've dealt with before. Is that also the thing where I was like, people just say that. People people constantly just say they're going to sue you just because they want to try to scare you. And it's like, bro, shut up. You're not going to do that. Like, that's such a lie. But I remember. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Do it then. You're not gonna. But I remember when that first happened to me, me freaking out. And immediately I canceled the deal. And I could have made, I think I could have made 70K on the one that when I was like originally doing, I was going to make a ton of money, but I got freaked out because I didn't know what that meant. I didn't really have a lawyer. I was really new, so I didn't know. But a lot of times I've noticed if you, like what you're talking about is if you take a moment, pause and like let it simmer a little bit and let yourself sleep on it on like the what's the right action and not immediately start freaking out and acting on emotions. I think that's super powerful. And I think that's some good wisdom right there for any like striving entrepreneurs for sure. Um, yeah, so. and, and I don't, and, and I don't know why that's true, but I've seen, I've learned it from other business owners or other entrepreneurs like saying like, wait, like, no, we're not going to make a decision today. We're going to, we're going to sleep on it. And, and like either you come up with a, a better idea or something else unfolds within the situation, you know? Right. Right. Exactly. What other advice do you have with, with high pressure situations, whatever it might be like situations that are like, obviously get your heart racing a little bit and stress you out. What else do you, is there anything else you think or any other rituals or anything else you do when you're dealing with something like that? Um, yeah, I mean, so again, again, waiting a lot of times, like if I see a scary message, like come across my phone, like some really, really bad news or anything that like causes anxiety. A lot of times I don't, I, I won't go, Oh, Oh my God. Like, let me, I just, I, I just like, um, swipe, swipe away and leave the phone down and I can continue to do what I'm doing. Even though I might not give it a day, I might give it some time. I won't right. even respond. I won't even like fully read the message. I just wait and, you know, and process it um, better over time. 
So yeah, so just waiting. I, I, I wait for anything like that, like a scary situation. Cause I've been in so many, so many scary situations. I feel like, um, over the years, like so many, um, and, um, like, like I have, like, I, like it's just a couple of days ago. Like I have, I, you know, five of the Airbnbs I manage, manage people stayed multiple months and like, they're like, Hey, can we rent it for a couple of months or whatever? Oh, can we extend it another month, another month, another month? And then like out of, and so five of the units um, became non-paying tenants in California. And what does that mean for big, it's still Airbnb. It's like squatter. No, but if they stop paying, then they like, they convert into squatters, right? Like. Really? Like, if even for yeah. an Airbnb? Right. So right now I have one. And so, so I have five total, right? So a few of them, they, they like, like I took them off Airbnb platform. Like they came from Airbnb, they paid a few months and then they said, Hey, can I just pay you directly? And I said, once they first come, they meet you. Airbnb got their fee. They're good. And now you have your own relationship. You can rent to them directly in the future. They might, you'd be a returning guest, whatever. And then like, so I did that with some people. They paid on time for a whole year. And then this crazy uh, California COVID rent relief thing um, just was really catching on. And like, people were hearing about it. Like, wow, like you can stop paying rent and the government will pay for you. You have to stop stop paying for it. You got to, you got to cause a little bit of pain to the owner before, you know, before the government kicks in. And, um, and that happened. And like, even like the tenants were like, yeah, like they even paid the first year. And then they were like, look, we heard about this COVID rent. Like it turns out we don't have to pay and they'll pay. Like they even, like you could even make up to a hundred thousand in a family of four and they'll pay for you. If you just stop paying, it's crazy. So it's like, it, it just caught on like wildfire and people just stopped paying everywhere. And, um, anyhow, so just two, three days ago, by the way, that law like changes at the at the end of this this month. It's 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 over, right? No more applications are coming in, but they're still taking applications. But um, a guy told me a few days ago, look, and this was my biggest Airbnb reservation I've ever had. It was about eighty five thousand dollars. The guy stayed like fifteen months, right, in Fresno, and then he was in his insurance was paying the whole time. Well, because his house got fire damage and he lived in our place for 15 months through insurance and they paid really high rates. So it was it was awesome. And then they ran out of insurance money and they, the guy said, look, um, you know, we're out of money. The insurance won't pay anymore. And I don't have enough money. Um, and, and I said, I said, well, I'm, I'm sorry to hear that, but I actually can't help you. I don't own the house. I manage it for someone else. Um, so, you know, this is the price. If you can pay it, if not, you know, I wish you the best of luck in your, in your, in your travels. Um, and then he's like, well, actually, you know, I have a family, I can't make them homeless. So I'm not going to be able to give you the key back or leave or pay. Right. Like, I'm just, and, and, and I told him, I said, dude, if you, if you were hungry, you wouldn't just, and you didn't have money, you wouldn't just go into a restaurant and take their food. That's, that's a crime. Right. You can't just take our home and stop paying. Right. So we, so we got, we served, you know, we hired a process server and they served him a three day notice. I said, and I, and I explained to him like an eviction on your credit report is not going to make things better, you know? Right. 
Um, he's like, okay, well, I guess we're going to have to, you know, since you're serious, we're going to have to call family. Only thing is we have to, we have these pets. They might, we have to figure out a place to put the pets and all this and that. It's like all this over some pets, you know? Um, but anyhow, right. I would just bring so it up. The point, is that, point is that the stressful yeah. situation is you give it a little bit of time and then you deal with it. It seems. Deal with it, 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 yeah. Sorry. No, you go. I was just going to say another thing is, you know, with, um, I can, I can, like when I work with owners property, I've learned a lot from the property owners that I've worked for, right? They've been, they've all been more experienced than me and they teach me how to deal with problems. And a lot of times in their, they're very uncomfortable ways. And it's Go like, I it. always like, um, like, be, like using specific language, right? Like, um, like being like the owners would give me very specific messages to give or do this, this and this exactly. And I want to spin it my own way. I want to be nicer or do this or do that. And it's like I've learned like, no, you have to really do what they say word for word. And a lot of times there's a reason. Um, and like reason? And, and there, it, it could be a legal or a strategic reason. And a lot of times I don't understand why, but like it's it. um it works out. So for example, just like this, the guy who didn't want to pay, see, at first he, at first he was saying to me, like, um, Hey, like, like it felt like something was wrong and they weren't paying. Hey, can I pay you just one day late? Right. And so the owner told me like, no, you don't give them permission to pay one day late. Right. And, um, because, because that's like, that opens up, a, um, if I can get situation and so it's like and and my friend told me look just have them served the notice that's it just just make sure you get them served the notice and he also told me give it to him in a text message also and then later like when I was talking to the guy like I was um I was thinking um I was thinking like well maybe if they only stay because the guy was saying like you know we our house isn't going to be done for two months but maybe even just another week because like, you know, and I was thinking to myself, well, if it's just a week, you're going to leave in a week. And he t and I was asking because I was thinking in my mind, one week. Why not? Let's us. just let's work with him, make it a little bit easier. Right. But then the thing is, and then but later he's like, hey, you told me I could stay another week. But like at first I was telling him a week is it's a thousand dollars a week to stay here. You got to pay us the thousand. You have to pay us up front. He was like, well, can I pay you half now and half at the end of the week? I was like, no, you can't do that. And um, but anyhow, but then when he was I was thinking like I almost was I almost gave him permission to just stay one week for free and go. But my friend was like, no. And because then later he wanted me to give it to him in writing. You told me I could stay a week. Can you text it to me in writing? And and it's like but my mother owner had already told me give him the actual in writing the three day notice before right. we start eviction proceedings like that's it let him know we mean business yeah and then he's gonna have to you know he's gonna have to board his dog or whatever it is and move move else and so and so but like the new people i've worked with like zach a less experienced person also gets on doesn't want to do the uncomfortable thing right sometimes. it's hard and um and so it's like but i've like worked with i've learned a lot from the owners basically and I've learned that you. you have to. Um, it is hard doing that. I have trouble with that. I have yeah. trouble when like somebody's acting whack at like a wholesale show or like a buyer's doing it. Like I used to, sometimes buyers are like, hey, I'm going to get in the EMD in a day. Don't worry about it. Like 
be cool, stuff like that. I'm like, all right, I guess I'll be cool, whatever. Like, I just really want this clothes and I get it. Things happen. And then it's like three days and nothing's happening. And I'm like, like, God dang it. Like now I'm screwed. Right. So that's, I think that's a really good, important business lesson is where like, you got to like stick to your guns. You got, you got to stick to your rules. There's a reason why you created these rules or why you should have these rules is because it prevents nonsense from happening. It prevents BS. It makes your life way easier. I definitely, I definitely understand exactly what you're saying. So one of my questions I love asking is if you in your current state could go back to young Noah at the very beginning of your entrepreneurial adventure, the mm-hmm. junk calling business, let's say, what would you, what would you tell him now? Like what, what would you tell him now that you should do differently or any advice you'd give? Man, I mean, it's, that's really hard, honestly, because, and, and I think it comes back down to like, do you, do you want to um, improve what you're bad at or improve what you're good at? And I think, I think everybody, you know, the, the jury says, you know, you should focus on what you're good at. Right. Yeah. hundred um, percent. Improve what you're good at and find somebody right. else to do what you're bad at. Right. And so for me, like what, what, what was that? It's like, um, I mean, I guess like uh, one easy thing would be, could have been like, um, you know, stick with real estate, but like, I might've been an agent. Like, I don't like, maybe right. that, that might not like, can I tell myself, like, learn how to flip houses, learn how to wholesale? I don't know. Um, <laughs> I honestly don't know um, exactly. Like, um, I, you know, how about I'm, at the beginning of your real estate journey then? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, the, the thing is, it's like I had been hearing about creative finance, you know, on YouTube for a few years. Mm-hmm. And had like I, I went to a like a seminar, like, and it was awesome, but I still didn't know how to like execute get into on it. it. No, didn't know how to execute. And that was a couple years earlier. But um I um so would the thing be like learn more about creative financing? Um for sure, but I, I could be more specific. It just depends on like you know how, how about minutes- how about I'm thinking more like mindset stuff. So like for instance, like I'll give an example for me. For me, what I wish I had told myself when I was starting was like, everything's going to be okay. Calm the hell down. Like, it's going to work out. You know it's going to work out, but you're freaking out right now because you've never dealt with X, Y, and Z situation. Mm-hmm. But like, I, I wish I had told myself, and I've been developing this skill, is that there are very few things that are terminal, I think, for a business. And being able to understand something that's terminal, that's going to kill the entire business or something understanding like it's a problem, but it's a solvable problem and not freaking the hell out every time something happened. That's what I would tell myself. So I'm thinking more something on the lines of that, of like some mm-hmm. fear you might've been dealing with anxiety or like maybe a mindset barrier or something like that. Yeah. Um, okay. So for me, I think, um, I think I should have always asked for more ask for more, expect more. Like I should have, I like basically, I think I've undervalued myself Mm. in, in, in a lot of partnerships and relationships for decades. Like I could have, and and, and it's like, and maybe that kind of comes down to the sales sales thing too. Like, um, it's been hard, hard for me to ask for a lot of money. Mm. You know, it's been hard for me to say, I need like, you know, and it's, and it's like, and it's like, and it's just that easy. You can say, 
you know, like you could say, I want, more, I want X dollars and it's t and like, someone will give it to you. Like, right. Um, and I'm not talking about selling a product, but I'm saying like your own, your, the value of, 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 yourself. no, I got you. Yeah. I got yeah. you. Tell me what's making you think of that. Like, is there a story or a situation that you think resembles that? Um, well, yeah. Well, so just now today, my, my new, um, executive assistant is, is such a boss. She's so amazing. And, um, and she just, um, she, she wants me to charge people for consultations because people hit me up every day with a few questions. And it's like, I have to decide like, and, and I'm training her how to help me weed through them. Like what's a deal, what's a favor, what's a question, like what's an opportunity, what's this, what's that, you know, cause I'm, I'm, I'm you know, I'm selling different things. I'm selling like I can manage your Airbnb for you, but it, you know if if you can't set it up, you know, and it's like you know I need a deposit. Now I need a deposit before we even talk. Like if we're gonna talk more than thirty minutes, I need a deposit. Right? <laughs> Damn. Because like, what do you mean? So like if I wanna if I wanna talk to you, wait, I'm curious about this because this is funny to me. What? Uh, so you well, like 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 let like let's say you said, hey, no, I have this amazing property. Can you manage it for me on Airbnb? And I say, sure, sure, Jonah. Let's go like, OK, do you need me to set it up for you or just manage it? Because some people, you know, they're like, oh, no, I'll set it up, you know, with my style. OK, we just manage it once it's set up. So it's like there's two. I need two deposits. You know, I need I need a I need just a small deposit. Like if I'm going to manage your property, I just need a five hundred dollar deposit. A ten thousand like, dollar deposit. No, I'm playing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> ten thousand dollar deposit. No, like a couple thousand, whatever. But to show you're serious. I get it. Yeah, just because like, and I finally did that to someone just recently for the first time and they asked for the deposit back, which is at least they gave a deposit to begin with. But next time I'm like making it clear it's non-refundable, mm -hmm. like, because a lot of people, they'll talk with me off and on for hours and then change their mind. And like, and that's cool, but like Super next annoying. time I'll just keep the, uh, like I'll, I need a deposit and also for consultation. So it's like, uh, and but I think the biggest value in 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 these opportunities i get are are buying deals right buying and selling deals that's the biggest value so i lay these out with the bathwater. so anybody or also the people who've reached out to me like maybe five of them now have have lent us 100 100,000 or more each right so it's like like i need to like you know really figure out who these people are like who who are the people that are reaching out to me right like how can I help them best? How can we help each other? Right. Like, Honestly, your problem is unsolvable because I deal with the exact same thing, right? You and me, we're got, we get put on by pace and other people because we're mastermind students and we like give a lot of, lot of value. There are just certain people who kind of waste your time. Like it's just kind of is what it is when you give, go into that giving mindset. At least for me, because I'd like to try to give a solution because this has been my solution to this problem has kind of just been like, OK, you've got this deal. You just sent me two pages about the deal. Right. I honestly like I honestly text them and be like, OK, give me a list of. So you got a deal, right? I need X, Y and Z, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, X, Y and Z. When you have all these pieces of information, then come back to me, then we can talk, right? I'm not saying the deposit's a bad idea. That's a good idea too. 
But that's a different thing. So when people, when someone wants to sell a deal, I do exactly what you said. Or And a lot of times people don't tell me if they want to sell it or not. They just, hey, can you look at this? I, and right. usually they just want to, they're like, they might want to keep it. I'm like, well, and a lot of times people say, hey, I'm looking at this maybe for Pace. Pace might want to buy it. And I'm like, well, even if Pace might want to buy it. Why can't I buy it? <laughs> or, or, or even if, even if it's like, even if Pace is going to buy it, I still need to know the purchase price, the down right. payment, like so I can analyze it properly for pace even. I need to know these things. I'm not just going to spin my wheels and then right. it turns out it was too much anyway, you know? Right. And right. so I do that with those people. And so it's like the people who want me to specifically to hire me to manage their Airbnb, that's the, that's the people I want the deposit. If they just right. want me to help them do their own thing, that'll be like the cons consultation fee. I mean, I'll help everybody, especially in sub two, help them for free as much as I can. But there's a limit on my time. You got time. You got to right. do shit. You, you have right. to do stuff. I get that for I, sure. I've created a bunch of videos too. And I just send people, like I have like a few hours video. of video. Huh? Yeah. No, why not? Yeah. It's like the video answers your question. I've got stuff to do. I totally get that, man. That's a good, that's a good point. I definitely, I like, uh, I don't think it's a bad idea, especially since like you can get just such into the weeds with that. So I 100% feel it. So what's the big goal? What are you excited about? What are you trying to achieve? Um, so me and Munif wanted to buy um, 30 properties. Then we changed it to 100, right? So now, <laughs> so that's, those are Airbnbs. And also, so now Leo Valentino, he's jumping on board with us. And we're going to be teaching a lot of people how to um, buy properties off market through creative finance with other people's private money to turn into Airbnbs. We're going to, we're going to be teaching people this together. It's the, the three of us have a, a program launching, I think around March 26th. So that that'll be fun. And so what it is is because Leo hasn't, doesn't own real estate or any Airbnbs. So we're going to be teaching him, you know, Manif will be doing the wholesaler and private money part. I'll be doing the Airbnb side and, um, and we're going to be coaching him like we're going to do like a zoom every week show him and other people are going to follow along and, and it's going to be fun but so i have no idea where we're going to end up on that one right so but but so I that's the have, goal well um so i my goal is, is to manage 200 airbnbs whether they're mine or other people's um by the end of this year, right? I'll be so right now. I'm only at 50, so I want to forex it, right? Managing 200 units, so I'm gonna. So if, the only way for me to get there is there's gonna have to be some multifamily involved, right? Um, right. Like I, I need, I need like a 50 unit building to, that that can just convert over, and uh, and we and there are those opportunities out there. So right. it's a it, it's a it's kind of a stretch goal, right? It's not it's not an, it's not a, a easy goal, but I got so, you. I have my management goals. I have my portfolio goals. So my portfolio goals is to own 25% of those 200 units myself nice. um, or in, in some kind of a partnership. And then, um, and then also it's to, um, is to get to, we'll say a million dollars in coaching. Right. And that might be nice. um, the three of us together. I love that. I love those goals. I'm helping you out with the Airbnbs. I've I've got you don't know this, but one of my goals is to own at least one Airbnb with you this year. I want to be like one of them because right now, I mean, it's really hard to get creative deals through agents. But every once in a while, just from me being known in the sub two, it kind of falls out of the sky. 
mm-hmm. like different creative opportunities. So just know, like I got, I'm, I'm, that's going to happen. It's going to well, let happen. me, well, thank you. And I, and I'm so excited about it. Where do you want it to be? Where are you, mar- are you marketing or where do you, where do you, so I don't, mar- I'm, I'm direct to agent, right? So I'm mainly agents. It's going to be in random places. Like it, because my method is the Lonza method and Lonza method is kind of random where it is. Like, remember I sent you that one in Georgia that the guy said that he knew and then he started negotiating more with me. So I'm like, God damn it. All right. These aren't going to, you're, you're now going in different directions with it. But, um, it depends. I kind of get them everywhere. I'm planning on, I kind of know where you're already doing stuff. I think like Atlanta, um, you're doing Atlanta, Phoenix here in the Bay area. Here in the Bay area is kind of, it's kind of, it's kind of not, not into it. Well, it's, 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 it has so much problem, you know, the problems of the Bay area, like, like regulations. Well, I mean, so yeah, regulations, price. So it's like, if you want to own something in the Bay area, it'll probably be for um, just because you love the Bay area. It probably won't be super, ca- um, it won't cash flow heavily unless you right. get something crazy cheap, you know? Yeah. But, but, but not to cut you off. I am looking to buy something to live in creatively. And you, I, I, I used to always like poo poo that idea. Like, Oh, that's silly. Everybody wants to own. That's what they always say. Everybody says that when the first day they join sub two, I want to buy my house creative and own it. And, but it took me like, and I thought that was unrealistic, but finally, you know, learning about manifestation, I said, you know what, I'm going to own my house on creative finance. It's going to be in the East Bay Hills and it's going to be between, you know, one and uh, one and $2 million, right? One and $2 million home and uh, it'll be creative. And then like I, I like I've been saying it, I said it like on New Year's Eve on Instagram. And then just recently someone hit me up f- like five minutes from here in El Cerrito Hills. Someone has a one point four million dollar house. Um, they they want to sell and they're willing to do um, seller finance for Love a it. portion of it. So I'm, I, I talked to someone about some, you know, I'm trying to figure out some Morby method action, you know, <laughs> but um. I love it, dude. It's going to happen. Yeah. 100%. That's the cool thing about this group is we talk about manifestation and I feel like just thinking about it and like really like trying to make it happen really does make it happen. Yeah. Like, I love it. I love seeing your journey, bro. It's so fun. I mean, since like we got pizza at Joya's that, that one day, I'm sorry about that because I wasn't there that long. What was happening was that like I had really planned that badly. Like I had, um, I had a seller appointment in like an hour after we started getting pizza, which is really dumb. So like, I realized like shiznaz, like I should have. It, it was like a 40 right. minute drive. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it was in, it was, it was, it was in like freaking. Um, Marin. It was in Marin. Yeah. It was somewhere that was kind of far. So hey, I want to apologize to you for that if I haven't done it. No, I feel like I just... no, but you did apologize, but like that, it's like, you making that appointment with me was so important because that triggered like our my door knocking like mission right that triggered yeah. so many things that day even though you weren't there like so you <laughs> help people even by accident right so yeah. it's like it's like it's okay that we how did it do like, that huh how did it do that how did that trigger yeah, that? Well, like what happened where like, cause I was barely there. <laughs> you, yeah, you left and me and Steve were talking. Right. Steve Talanoa. Yeah. yeah I and remember. we were like, and like, and, and I had got frustrated with my virtual wholesaling and I wanted to do something locally. I wanted to be able to see it and touch it 
and talk about and talk to owners and face to face. And um, and we and Steve also felt the same way. We're like, let's door knock. And so that next Saturday we started door knocking and and then I started ended up, uh, you know, ended up door knocking with Naomi and Jade and, all those and, other and Jose Barbosa. And we kind of formed this like this like company, like, nice. like made websites and NDA and agreements. And and then I started like recruiting people to door knock all throughout California. Like oh, I yeah. recruited about like it wasn't just sub two. I started recruiting like from the free group, but I'm I, I was make I would make these these live videos, and every single time someone at least one or two people would reach out to me and say, I want to start like next week. And then we had people in SoCal door knocking that we never met in purpose in per in person. person. And I would just put them on a three-way chat with Naomi and Jade. And they and, and say, hey, let's like this guy wants to join. Let's let him get him linked oh, yeah. in. They would send them the NDA and our agreement, and they would give him a Zoom link for next. And we would do these Zoom trainings. And um, and finally, the first guy who actually like got a door knocking deal that we closed um, was Ulysses, who was at the event uh, the other day. I'm sure you, you met him. And um, it was in Modesto. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. Are you still doing that? Are you still having a door knocking team? No, I'm not. So you know, you know, um, more on other things. I mean, Munif you know, was like acquisitions. Say what? Munif's in charge of acquisitions now, so it makes sense. Like you, you got to focus on the Airbnbs, right? So I quit that. Um, maybe it feels like six months ago. I, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know if you're familiar with Tom Crow. Tom Crow. He sounds so familiar. He, yeah. So Tom Crow oh, is no. connected to TTP. And Brent Daniels through um, Wholesaling Inc. And um, that name sounds super familiar. He 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 owned Wholesaling Inc. with um, Cody Hoffine, and there was a podcast. You should listen to it from episode one. Wholesaling Inc. It goes back years. Tom Crow was on Bigger Pockets five years ago, um, and he describes wholesaling in such simple terms. He always smiles and he always stands up when he's, you know, meets, you know, goes on an interview or something. And he's he's such a happy guy. And I met him and I met, we managed one of his properties in Florida. And he suggested, you know, that I pick one thing and try to do it really well. And that's when I decided I'm going to stop trying to wholesale and I'm just going to focus on my Airbnb management business. Mm. Which I think is better. I think that's way smarter. Well, the thing is, I made that this. I made a couple of amazing wholesale deals or hotel deals, um, and closed. And like me and Ty split a whole bunch of money, and that changed my life. And I was like, "Damn, Airbnb! I want a wholesale." <laughs> right? I remember I was sitting here. It's pretty good, huh? Wholesaling is nice. Yeah, I was like, I was like, Airbnb can't bring you Quick this money. kind of money, you know? Um, yeah. It's and it's like I was like. And that changed my life. Like, and I was like, that's when I started delegating. That's when I started building a team. And and it's been a year now that I started building the Airbnb team, but I decided I'm not going to throw the baby out with the bathwater. I'm not going to quit Airbnb. That would be stupid. Let me like learn how to build a team. So instead of spending a hundred percent or 80% of my time, you know, I can reduce it to 40 or, or 20% of my time or 10%. And then I want to get back into 
um, the amazing business of wholesaling, right? Because you got to, just like any wholesaler knows, you have to have passive and active uh, income, right? You have to have both eventually. So the Airbnb is still, it's kind of like hybrid, but it's still not lumps and lump sums like wholesaling or like selling real estate, you know? Yeah, but that's more wealth building. I mean, like I'm on the opposite side in the sense that I'm mainly wholesaling. I'm doing some flips and I own one rental. But like my thing is I want to I'm like you on the opposite side. Like I'm now starting to make it where it's like, all right, I'm ready to automate the wholesaling. Let's use some of this freaking money on some flips and buy and holds and stuff like that. It's why like I love agents, but they're really good for flips and cash. They're kind of hard for creative or at least I haven't been able to get it well because there's a barrier there. So my, 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 my opinion about your buy and hold real estate stuff is um, like you, like you should, you should buy, pro- if you want to own real estate for passive income, you should just buy it at full price. Like you can pick any house for sale in America. It's listed for sale because you, 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 you base it on the numbers that you're going to cash flow. And you, you, if you get like a deep discount, then you should just flip it. You should sell it and make the cash. And so, therefore, you don't need a, any special deal to buy and hold. You just use leverage. You know, get a good, de- get a low down payment. Get, you know, if it's creative, it could be. Hopefully, you can find five or ten percent down, including everything in your entry fees, and um, you know, and and that'll be great. But even even twenty percent down, like if you buy a property that needs work, like a flip, you could um, you know, flip it and keep it. You could flip it, refinance, right. and keep it. Right. Yeah. Like, um, mm-hmm. no, yeah, no, I agree. I mean, to an extent, it's really hard to make the numbers work with just MLS properties, to be honest. Like if you, if you really, cause I do like Pace's method of the fact that like, I could lend my money to you guys at like, I, I could find someone who would take my money for 10% pretty damn easily. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that, and I want to take that into account that like, okay, yes, I could buy this real estate or I could be making 10% on my money easily so it's it's i want to deal you want to do what i want to have a deal i want it to be a good deal basically is what i'm trying to say like i don't think i could get it off just any house on the mls no so my first my first three properties i bought i bought with traditional loans Mm -hmm. and they would have broke even as a rental when was that in this when was that I mean, that was that was in 2017, 2018, 2019. All right. Like they would have broke even as a rental. Now, so some special magic tricks um, are in certain parts of California, build an ADU. You will right. cash flow. You can like you can literally take a detached garage. You can like the new law in California. It's like the new California gold rush. You can build a back unit. Every city has a little bit different rules, but they all have to abide by California state, um, like Senate bill, whatever it is. There's a newest one just from January 2022, which makes it easier and cheaper to build accessory dwelling units in California. There's like opportunities right under your nose. You can buy a property for full price, spend 50 grand to build an amazing back unit, and you're going to cash flow like crazy on Airbnb or even regular rent, you'll still make money. So now, you know, like I heard Fresno has some new laws coming out. Like I haven't heard it about it in person. So if it's true, like don't go to Fresno, go 
the city right next to Fresno. That doesn't that is a few more years before their laws change. So just like there, there are so many cities right here in California that you can build those ADUs and you will cash flow. So um, you just got to get your, you know, figure out how you're going to finance it, fund it, whatever. Potentially. I'll take it into consideration. So, all right. Technically, it's supposed to go an hour, but I like you so much that so we're going to go over time. So do you have any morning ritual? Anything like that? No, I, I just take my my kids to school. Um, that's a morning, morning ritual. I think yeah, that's a good it, ritual. It is. You yeah. get to hang it's out a, with your it, kids and stuff. Huh? Yeah. Hey, yeah. Waking my, wake, waking my kids up. Um, and um, when I, w- I when I was out of town, I've been out of town a lot this mm-hmm. last year. I mean, I've been um, seeing it. I would like call my kid because my wife's at work a lot in the morning. Mm-hmm. I would call my kids. Nice. Like wake them up and send them an Uber to take them to school. Right. And that was like so crazy for me. But like my son is big enough. He's like as big as me now. And um, <laughs> so I was like, OK, like I think I think they're OK. Take an Uber. And then like nice. eventually I got my son like the Uber app. And so now he can like call him himself. But um, anyhow, but I love spending time with them. My kids, I love driving to school. That's like a, a bond, you know, some bonding time. I love that. I drop my son off for band and then my daughter has another hour to chill with me. We go get some Noah's bagels or something. Hilarious. Um, Mm-hmm. But dum dum. All right. So, what do you read? Any books that you really would recommend for people? Any entrepreneurial books? Um, I have so many books, so many audio books. Um, mm. I don't actually read many books, but let me show you one book I have right here. Here's a book. Go. Is, is your, your business, business sick? sick? Okay. All right. What's about by, um, by Gary and Susan Harper, um, and they 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 help people um, with their businesses. Like, and you might you might actually benefit from working with them, Jonah. They they primarily deal with wholesalers, flippers, real estate investors, and um, they have like an event every year in Utah. I went. And they help people like find your partner. They help people find oh, your partner. Interesting. And like your integrator, Wait, right? Go. Or they're so like they're they're totally awesome. Um, and like you can look up Gary Harper on Steve Trang. He interviewed him about nine okay. months ago. Um, I would look him up for sure. Yeah, That'd be pretty cool. Um, so that's a book that I have. Is that different? Is that different than uh? Are they different than the people who were at Rocket Fuel? Probably because I know they talk a lot about it. Right. You yeah. They, they, they're very similar. So it's like these guys will implement that stuff in your business. Like, you know, that kind of stuff. You know? I'd be interested. I'd be interested for sure. I mean, I can do integrator stuff. I'm just not as good at it. Right. Like right. it's not my strong suit. My strong suit is salesy type of stuff for sure. Yeah. I'll look that book up for sure. All right, bro. What are you selling? What are you promoting? What do, how do the people reach you? What are we, what are we doing? What do we, what do we want the people to know about you? How do they get in contact? What what event should they sign up for? How do they send you deals? They yada, should, yada. okay okay. That's the most exciting. Send like send, <sighs> me, send me houses for sale, right? Send me houses for sale. Send me a house um, that's four bedrooms, at least two baths or more, in the Berkeley or Oakland Hills, and uh, and I want to live in it with my family. And it it can be all cash if it needs a lot of work, or it can. Be creative or send me deals anywhere in the country. And if it's, you know, creative, 
primarily, or if it's if it's fix and flip, we're doing those too. Um, any any major metro within 30 minutes of any any major city, like I'm man right now, I'm managing properties in about 10 states, so um, not much in the Rust Belt. But hey, I'm I'm open and looking at anything. Um, so how do they you reach know, you? How do they how do they do this? Uh, What's the uh, Instagram? Instagram? It's, Instagram is Noah Hoffman Airbnb. Noah Hoffman Airbnb. I want to make sure I didn't spell your name right wrong. Is it two Fs? It is two Fs. Now I I edited my because you had my old Instagram on here and I changed it for you, so it's it's correct on the screen. Oh, I see. At Noah Hoffman Airbnb. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wait, what do you mean? What Instagram am I following? Well, so you're still following the right one. But it just it just converted over when I changed it. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah. So okay, so yeah. people should send you deals here. They can hear about yeah. your events. Like this is yeah. this is the place to go. Everything, yeah, everything is on, everything. on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Solid. Okay. Uh, cool, I'll bro. A, I'll have a course coming out soon. I just have to finish editing. Love it. Yeah. Cool. Do you have anything last things you want to say to the people? I want to say thank you, uh, Jonah. And I want to ask: Are you moving sometime soon? I am. Didn't I tell you this? You did. I was wanting to confirm. <laughs> I'm moving to Denver okay. at the beginning of June. I'm making it happen just because yeah. I've lived in the Bay Area my entire life. I love the Bay Area. I love you. I love Vincent. I love everybody who's here from Sub2 and all my friends, but I want to try something new. Like I've lived for the vast majority of my life has been in the Bay Area. I've lived in a bunch of different places, but um, I want to try something new. It's like the same old, same old here. And I want to, I want to explore a little bit. I'm, I'm 26. This weekend's my birthday. I'm about to turn 27. Wow. (laughs) You're amazing. You're 26. Bro, you're amazing. Wow. (laughs) And Denver's awesome. Denver is an awesome place. Yeah. You're going to kill it. You're going to kill it there. It's going to be cool. And I I felt like this is the only time I get to be a nomad. Like when I have a wife and children, I can't just keep traveling around. I got to choose somewhere. So I think it's going to be fun. Wait, what? What'd you say? No, I said life will be over then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah <laughs> it's over. No. You might as well be dead. Nah, yeah, that's gonna be a good time. <laughs> yeah, it'll be another good time. But like definitely move now. Move now before you get those roots. Right. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Cool, bro. Thank you so much. This is episode 14 with Noah Hoffman, the Airbnb King. Guys. Send this guy to Airbnbs. He's got a hundred. He's got to buy. Send him the deals. He needs a house in the El Cerrito Hills, in the Oakland Hills. He needs three houses. He said he has one, but he needs three just because, like, just because he wants to be traveling around. Yeah. <laughs> thank but you, thank you so much, bro. I'm gonna yeah. end the broadcast. Um, and then yeah, and then you and me, you, me, and Vincent should get lunch again. And maybe maybe other people too. I don't know, but like that was that was a chill lunch. I like that one. Yeah, that's cool. All right, bye, fam. We out.